0: Welcome to the GM's Corner, a Brewster Baseball Association podcast where we put general managers on the hot seat and try to pull out all of their juiciest secrets. I'm Ron Collins, general manager of the Yellow Springs Nine, and today I've got Vancouver general manager Brett Schroeder with me. Brett's been at the helm of Vancouver since 2011, if I'm doing my research right. And if I'm doing my high mental math right, that means you've been in the league, uh, I think this is your 24th season, Brett? Is that about
1: right? Uh, no. <laughs> I was I was the uh, California GM starting in the 1990, I don't even remember. I've been here forever. <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: So you are like the closest thing to a stalwart that there possibly is.
1: Uh, Madison's got me beat. I know Chris has been here actually forever. But uh, yeah, I took a little break when uh, my job switched. Yeah, then I came back, and that was when Joel was stepping down. And so basically between him and me, I think we're the only two GMs for this team.
0: That is, I believe, true. I have to go back and do do some double research, which is you know double taxing on my brain. So I'm not sure that I want to go that far, but...
1: But I probably
0: will, because, you know, that's also part of my personality. So I I just can't leave something like that sit before it's all said and done. (laughs) Uh, Last three years of the uh, Vancouver time period has been kind of the best of times, worst of times. I think you did 95 wins and... We're in the playoffs in 31, 79, and 32, 77, and 33. Um, Not looking like the trend (laughs) is going to be getting any better in 34. How how are you feeling about the uh, Vancouver Mounties right now?
1: It's been a little frustrating, but, I mean, these things happen. Uh, We had our last winning season, like you said, in in 31. Uh, That was uh, the season I let go of the big three. Correa, Granados, and Hernandez. And because, as you can see from their contracts, they all got paid. (laughs) And I had a whole wave of pitchers coming up after them. So I was going to just stopgap fill with vets for a year till everyone was ready. And then that whole wave of pitchers has basically been annihilated. They all suffered injuries here and there, and I believe Louis Hall is the only one left, and he just went down, and now he's probably gone. (laughs) Most of them aren't even with the team anymore. It's been so bad.
0: That's part of the, the joy and the pain of of the game. You set up this big master plan and things are going along just hunky-dory. And next thing you know, <laughs> life has different, different plans. So uh, you, you talked about your wave of young pitchers who have gone down. Um, I look at some of the players who are on your roster right now, uh, some of the guys who are in the minors, and we'll probably talk about that in a little bit. But I can't help but focus on the idea that Vancouver seems to be very much a pitching-oriented kind of ball club. And it makes sense to me logically from a point of view as I look at your ballpark. But I'm interested in hearing some of your points of view about how that park came to be. I know it was built in 2025, I think it was. Um mm-hmm how big of a change was that i wasn't uh, i was either just barely getting into the league at that point or wasn't quite around i don't know exactly when it started uh so how did that park come about was it different from what you were playing in before and what were your thoughts as far as when you were building it
1: uh, to be honest i i do not remember what vancouver's park before had as far as park factors uh joe always built his teams Pretty much the same way I did with pitching and defense. I mean, he has, you know, Jason Egan's got an award named after him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But uh, my experience before Vancouver was California. And we all know from Ted how how that park set up. I've always enjoyed the pitching and defense side. And when I went to build the park, because the stadium fees had gotten ridiculous. That was about when we started doing that. And Vancouver Mm -hmm. was one of the oldest parks. I knew I wanted to keep it a pitcher's park. I made it even more extreme, although still not quite as extreme as California. And around that time, we had a lot of influx of new GMs who really latched on to uh, basically left-handed bats and going full bore with platoon splits, trying to get as many lefties in there.
0: The the Stever objective.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Stever very much in particular. So basically my park is the anti-Stever park. Uh, The way I figured it, right-handed power bats have really low value in our league they're very easy to find and pick up so the park is set up to just annihilate hitting but it annihilates right-handed hitting a whole lot less (laughs) so i load up on guys that i like to think are a little undervalued uh their stats will never be great as ted knows but that in my mind anyways that helps keep their contracts down And then the idea is to splurge on really flashy, nice pitching when I can get it and win that way.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, I had a reaction internal when you talked about right-handed power batters. The question that comes to my mind in that sense is when I look at the ballparks in the league, uh, mostly they accentuate left-handed hitters. And so I wonder uh, what your thoughts are as far as um, do you think that 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 aspect of right-handed hitters being too easy to find but not performing as strongly as some perhaps think they should is related to ballparks across the league and across the divisions, or do you even think about that at all?
1: Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of our parks are set up where left-handed power, especially, is is favored. So yeah, the theory is, uh, I mean, everyone will hang on to a young bat who's cost-controlled and everything like that. But the theory is, in uh, in free agency, I can pay less to get like, well, maybe not quite the Alfredo Salazar because he he obviously gets paid a lot of money. But uh, the way the schedule's set up, I have so many games in my division in pitchers' parks that I figure the hit my offense takes when I leave my park isn't quite as bad. Mm-hmm. So
0: now, currently, you look at the Vancouver pitching staff's performance. And it doesn't really look like the park is helping you a whole lot. <laughs> uh, the, the 472 ERA, I think, is the worst in the Pacific. How are you thinking about that? Uh, I think next year you begin paying fees again. Uh, next year or the year after, I can't remember which. Are you expecting to make any changes as you go forward?
1: Um, Teams Bank is uh, going well. I'm way in the black, so I could if I wanted. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think... A lot of, especially this year's stats, that look horrendous. Uh, I had some very much older veteran pitchers at the beginning of the season that aren't even on the team now that have been traded. I had some injuries. I'm uh, I'm kind of letting, like, Marty Sempa is on the team right now. Mm-hmm. He's he's extremely popular, so he basically was brought in to, to give the fan interest a little bump, and I'm just letting him take his lumps for now. So I don't think the pitching staff... On the whole, is as bad as the stats look. So I don't really plan on changing the park. Although, I mean, I've been in the league for like I don't know, it's over thirty seasons, and I've always gone pitching and defense. So maybe at some point I might get a little bored and just totally flip the switch and go bandbox and see how many homers I can rack up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just to change it up. Yeah, um, but yeah, I want to. I want to actually get to uh, some of your team construction and some of the moves you've been making. You talked about a couple of them. Uh, But before we roll into that, let me ask you about that. You know, we've been talking about pitching. Uh, Your reputation very much is pitching and defense. And so let me talk to you about uh, defense or let me have you talk to me about defense a little bit. Some things that strike me, right? I mean, in the offseason, you traded Brett Compton away, uh, who's a very young and accomplished shortstop. Uh, just a short while ago you actually traded for a, a, a older shortstop uh who's uh, what's uh, Pablo Soto who still can play the position but he's 30 years old what kinds of things are you thinking about right now how are you quantifying how do you how do you quantify defense in Vancouver you know how big of an advantage do you think a nine shortstop center fielder is over an eight shortstop center fielder or a seven, or are you just looking for as many blue bars as you can possibly get? (laughs) What what is the Brett Schroeder uh, philosophy when it comes to building a defensive team?
1: Ideally, uh, you build up the spine. Uh, You want your shortstop, your second baseman, and your center fielder. In my mind, I I really don't want anyone who's got range lower than nine. If I can help it second, I'll cheat a little bit like I am right now. But uh, I think it's really, really hard to say how much of an effect having, you know, a little bit better of a shortstop is. But I definitely just, I'm trying to collect as big of a defensive advantage as I can. As far as letting Tom- Compton go, Compton's value is in his bat. Like, uh, he's got 10 range. I You should look at him and you should be like, oh my God, he's the greatest. You're one of the best defensive shortstops in the league, but he's not. And he never has been. And I honestly don't know why. <laughs> I don't know if it's too many errors or what. So his value to me was strictly with the bat, and in my park, his bat won't play as well as it will in other people's parks. So I saw the chance to grab a really big bat, right-handed bat in Harper, who's currently just mashing the hell out of the ball in AAA right now. Yes, he and, is. Uh, yeah, and then I just figured I would swing and uh, pick up veteran stop gaps for now, like Soto, who's done actually way better than I thought he was going to do. So I like that. And in that trade. For Compton, I did get back another shortstop. He doesn't have anywhere near the bat, uh, Ishmael Pena. But defensively, he's 9786, which on paper is not as good as Compton, but in performance might actually be because Compton still hasn't shown that he's an elite shortstop. But uh, as far as general team construction, ideally, I don't mind punting the bat on shortstop and center field if it's going to make my defense that much better to help out my pitching staff. I always, I essentially want the best pitching staff in the league at all times if I can get it.
0: You know, I think it was Randy I was talking with about ballpark factors and things like that, right? I liked your comment about having the best pitching staff, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, when you play in a superior pitcher's park, if you just have a mediocre staff, it can look pretty good. <laughs> but mm-hmm. If you have a elite staff in a intense pitcher's park, that's where things change pretty dramatically, I think. Uh, when you are a Vancouver, I think you need to essentially lead the league in ERA or you're in trouble, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think a lot of it, at least especially recently, it's kind of reinforced my thoughts on it is uh, there's the theory of diminishing returns. You know, if you're in a pitcher's park, you can get by with a lesser staff in theory. But I think when you really look at it, uh, your offense in baseball only has to be so good. It really doesn't matter if you beat a team by one run or 50. But if you can get the best of the best pitching staff, if if you only give up one run, you can win with a horrendous offense because you only have to score two.
0: <laughs> that is 100% true. And I think uh, when you talk about the Brett Comptons of the world and... Um, I like to, one of the things that I like in these conversations with general managers around defense is I have a example of uh, what I consider to be kind of the worst case shortstop, right, that's acceptable. Uh, and I compare the Brett Comptons to the Angel de Uh You mentioned errors, right? Brett Compton is a error machine at shortstop. Mm-hmm. And you can look at him uh, across the years. People can pull him up and do their own research on him, but he has a huge number of errors. And the question that I have for you is a lot of people, we talk about range, right? Shortstops must have a nine range. Center fielders must have a nine or 10 range. How much do you think about the components underneath that?
1: Uh, A lot. I I still think if you're going to value one and only one, I'd still choose range to be the ultimate, but actually looking at who's going to be your major league shortstop, you should probably look a little deeper than that. And uh, error is right up there. If you're going to sacrifice their bat, they uh, they not only have to be able to reach the ball, but they have to be able to throw it to the correct base. <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, the reason that this conversation is interesting to me with you is uh, if you look at the difference between a Compton and a De Castillo, uh the biggest problem that I always have with DiCastillo, quite honestly, is his arm, not his range. I know he's at the bottom line of what a range is, but he is a nine-error, ten, I think, ten-double-play guy. Uh, So essentially, he does everything else brilliantly, and I think that's why he is capable of actually playing shortstop and will overperform what people think because they see that seven range and think he's going to be total crap, whereas the Brett, uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, Brett Comptons of the world, right you're going to look at those uh, components. You're going to think, wow, that guy looks really fantastic. But that six error is actually on the uh, almost unacceptable side for a shortstop.
1: Oh, yeah. If you if you get a guy who, and that's even what Soto really kind of looks like, his range is down to eight, I think, right now. Mm-hmm. But the other component parts are, are all the sexy blue bars. We like 10 error, nine arm, nine double play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if, if everything else – screams he can be a shortstop but the range is light you can you can get away with that i might scream and crow about it hey he, he doesn't have he's got seven range he's terrible but no he he's uh he's far from terrible he's, he's you can at least get league average out of that
0: yeah and i think that's the the thing you know you want to get league average or better out of a guy especially if his bat isn't really strong but if you can get a even a little under league average of as bad as elite then that's completely fine oh yeah uh, but so i think that's always an interesting Interesting thing to look at is the the component levels and what people think of them. Um, Let's talk about some of those moves that you've made because we talked, you know, you brought Soto in and I like Soto as a shortstop right now. His problem in my mind is that he's 30 years old and he has a huge contract. But you've made two or three really interesting deals over the past uh, year as a team that is in some form of a rebuild, right? You've brought in Bertram Hahn. You've traded out Henson, uh, You've got uh, Downey came in on a, in a deal. I think Cavazos actually came in and went out in a series of deals. Um, I think you've actually lost four or five guys off of the waiver list. And so I'm interested to hear you talk about what you're thinking about on ballpark or ball team construction right now. What kinds of things are going through your mind on your various transactions and where you think this is pointing Vancouver uh, over the next year to three years? What's the what's the buzz? Tell me what's happening here.
1: <laughs> well, uh, my plan coming into this year was to no, not be as bad as we are right now. <laughs> I kind of thought this was the year before the jump, and uh so that's why I offered uh, Morales the contract I gave him. I really thought he could come in and and be a very very quality arm and uh he's done okay, definitely not what you'd like but uh once once I realized that you know that the fate was inevitable that we 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 were going nowhere um I started looking to just bring in uh, bump the fan interest keep keep the butts and seats uh attendance has been declining the last several years so a lot of the moves i've made they're head scratchers as far as i've taken on a lot of salary like Soto and uh what's his face who just got hurt uh the third baseman who's having such a good year anyway and Han and Cavazos for a short time i've i've been bringing in guys with high price contracts if people want to move it's super easy to uh not have to give up much to get them I've been getting the fan interest bumps, um, letting a few of them take their lumps. Cavasso's proved inst- instantly that he's, um, he's done. So I <laughs> didn't mind moving him. And then I'm letting uh, the young guys kind of basically uh, show me what you got. Like, I don't really – I'm not a big believer in Troy Downey. Like you said, I brought him in. But uh, he's going to get a year to figure it out. We'll see.
0: Yeah, and he's what, 23?
1: And he's I only 23, yep. I, I got a pretty good farm system as far as the game rankings are concerned, but I really don't look at those too much because those get kind of squirrely. But uh, I, I am very happy with my farm. I got some bats coming up, and uh, right now it's basically time to figure out who is going to make or break my rotation. I don't. I only have one real real super awesome starting pitcher that I'm like, this guy could be a number one, but I have a ton of threes and fours. And those guys, when you reliever convert them, usually end up being really good relievers. So I'm basically just trying to figure out who's going to be my rotation mainstays and who's going to fix my pen next year. (laughs) Keep keep the attendance up as we ride out the year. Maybe find a few uh, diamonds in the rough, like uh, Jesus Marte. No, obviously, even I, no one said a thing about him, but... He's a rookie he who's hitting three fifteen as a left handed power bat in my park. So I don't know what that means, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> it means
0: he's hitting three fifteen as a left-handed power bat yeah, in your park. Yeah, that's so
1: maybe 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 he's uh, better than he looks right now. And uh, just sort of just ride out the year, make as much money as I can. I don't I don't think I've taken on too much salary where I'm gonna hurt myself. The team is swimming in money, so if I gotta cut and eat Soto's contract, you know, at the end of the year if he really does, if he can't hack the defensive side, then I won't be able to put up with his bat anymore at that point. And then uh hopefully next year everything uh gets a whole lot better.
0: <laughs> so are we looking to see the Harpers and maybe the Richardo what, how do you pronounce Mene? Yeah. Um, are we looking to see those guys up next year?
1: Uh I'm not sure about Harper. I wanna get him them... I mean everyone Everyone tries to keep guys who are about to break in down, try and get that extra year, you know, try and keep his money down. I, I acknowledge that, and I do it sometimes with some guys. But I mean, as I mean, I've had a bunch of really young pitchers that I could have sunk in AAA and just left them there. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually try and give everyone their uh, their cup of coffee, so to speak. I think Mené, he's in Double A and he just got hurt. So I don't know that he's going to make it, but uh, I think Harper will get a shot and we'll see what he can do.
0: Yeah, I think that question of when to bring people up and when not to bring people up is one that is both uh, intellectually and emotionally uh, curious and interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, we uh, I created quite a stir with me with holding back uh, Lucas McNeil for the one-year Uh, But you look at several of the other guys that I've brought up, um, I mean, often, uh, right now I'm in a different space as far as my team's um, maturity cycle, right? I I didn't need Lucas McNeil when I first really brought him up, but I really needed, you know, the J.J. McQuaids and the Earl Jacksons. I needed them, Um, and so I I burned, uh, especially Jackson, I burned a little bit early just because... <laughs> there was no other option and I needed a 500k guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I think that there's leeway in there to play both sides of that coin. And it's always an interesting one to, to see how teams uh,
1: decide to bring people up. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a million theories on when is the right time and when people are just trying to save money and not doing the best for their team. Uh it it's it's always probably gonna be a pretty emotional <laughs> it's gonna turn into an argument every time.
0: <laughs> exactly. Without a doubt. Um, <laughs> people who want to see uh, Dalrymple. Yeah, <laughs> Dalrymple, um uh, crap, who's the pitcher? Um the young guy with Ed, with Edmund, Bob Bobby Lynch. Bobby Lynch, there you go.
1: Yep. Emmett yeah, is the poster child for this conversation right
0: now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without a doubt. You know, I I love to see those guys in the league, and on the other hand, you know, they're not going anywhere right now. So, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Let me turn this to a different direction, and we'll do the classic semi-quick lightning round. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and we'll uh, see what what you got.
1: All right.
0: Calgary or Long Beach? Who wins the Frick League Pacific this year?
1: Oh, uh, Calgary. Long Beach is is smoking mirrors.
0: <laughs> That's what people have been saying for the whole year but they've been um kicking butt mostly until just
1: recently. It's been it's been fun to watch but basically I feel Long Beach is pain. Like he's gotten so many guys who looked so awesome coming up and then the game is just like, "Oh wait, no." And like look what Cummins turned into and it's just, "Oh."
0: Yeah, that was sad. Ugh. Who's the best surprise of 2034?
1: Uh, do you mean team or player?
0: whichever you want to do i ask the question you answer
1: okay um i would have to say oh that's a tough one actual surprise well i guess you could say long beach the trajectory they were on at the end of last year you would have thought maybe i even thought maybe i would finish better than they did this year (laughs) so i'd have to go with probably long beach
0: Talk to me about managers and coaches. What's the, what's the Brett Schroeder philosophy? Do they matter? How much do they matter?
1: What do you do with them? I have been in this league for 30-some years, and I still don't know. <laughs> I, every now and then I'll, I'll come up with, okay, this is my theory. I'm going to try this, and then it doesn't work. So now I figure you got to have them because Recty says you got to have them. I, I really almost put no stock in them. I know they have, they have to have some kind of an effect. So right now, all I'm doing when I sign coaches is I'm looking at their, um, what is it called? Their personality, like whether they're a small ball guy, tactician, orthodox, you know, split heavy, that sort of thing. And I'm just, I'm trying to load up on guys like on the pitching side, guys who are going to help my movement, give up less homers. And then on the hitting side, mostly just contact guys, contact and, um, the, uh, guys who improve eye, uh, patience.
0: Havana's six-man rotation, they seem like they're a success right now. Is it going to hold?
1: I can't figure out Havana's pitching staff. Like, that is so overperforming anything I would have thought. On paper, their bullpen is a total dumpster fire, so I guess the six-man rotation helps that a lot. (laughs) If you can soak up that many extra innings with your starting rotation by giving them guys extra rest, he can really ride the couple—I mean, he's got a couple pretty good uh, relievers. His best reliever is probably the guy I traded him, Delgado. And then he doesn't have to get into like the 11th and 12th man of like, he's got three guys who have under 14 innings this late in the season. I think for what his, the way his team's set up where it's offense heavy, just club people into submission. I guess the six man works. Uh, last question of the lightning
0: round. What are your thoughts on version 19? How do you think it's going to change anything? Are you excited about it? Are you worried about it? Uh, 19 go.
1: Uh, I've been playing uh, OTP for, I I forget what my first version was. It was, it was single digits obviously. And every year I play the new version less and less and less. And so you kind of caught me flat footed here. I actually haven't even gotten it yet. Um, I like some of the stuff they've done with the contract stuff like that is part of the problem in our league is we have some contracts that are really, really hard to move. So it really slashes the value of the player, but apparently we're going to be able to, uh, divvy up those nasty contracts and teams can uh, help pay off some of the money. So maybe they'll get a little more value for their players, but that's about all I know of the, of it right now.
0: You have succeeded. You have survived the lightning round. Um, <laughs> so let me uh, do the, the standard. Do you have any questions you would like to uh, address to me? And
1: all right, well, uh, lightning round's a lot of pressure.
0: <laughs> I can feel the, I can feel the stress <laughs> rolling off of you, Brett.
1: Well, uh, I guess the big question is—I'm um, sure you've seen it. You probably even commented on it. The genius is thinking about switching teams. Do you do you do you want him out of your division? Don't you love bragging on him.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And in fact, just a short while ago, the uh, nine news journalists came out with a with a notice saying that basically, it sounds like the genius is running away from the Heartland because he can't <laughs> handle the handle the heat, you know, and my understanding from, from reading that article is that it's actually causing personal problems in his performance in the places that he cares about the most. (laughs) Um, so, you know, who knows what's really behind the whole thing with genius. Um, number one, a number one is, uh, bottom line is I, I love having Stu in the league. He's a fantastic, uh, GM and a huge source of, of great entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I have absolutely uh, deeply adored being a part of his division. And no, I don't really want him to to leave the Heartland whatsoever. But I also want him to be having as much absolute fun as he can have. And I definitely understand the uh, pleasure of doing a build from a fresh. There's there is definitely we've talked about it a, a couple other times in other places. There's definitely a skill set and an interest level um, that is different about doing a build. Uh, versus uh, trying to to maintain. And my personal mindset is one that uh, has a great deal of joy in both. And as you said, when we started this whole conversation, uh, the great challenge with keeping things going is you can have these fantastic plans and in three months the game can totally... <laughs> uh can co- totally tell you that your plan is not going to work out so there's absolutely nothing to say that uh either Louisville or or uh Yellow Springs will continue to be in the um in the positions that we're in right now so uh so Stu you could be doing a rebuild in Louisville pretty soon and in fact I think Yellow Spring friends would be telling you you should be rebuilding right now <laughs> cuz you can't win anyway so how's that
1: uh, that's basically the answer I was expecting <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, you have been in this league for, uh, for even longer than I thought you'd been in the league. How did you find it?
1: Um, well, short answer, internet. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I had been in a couple leagues before this, and the thing about OOTP that I like is the history. I mean, I, that is why I'm still in the league. I think our league... We always say, oh, our league's the best league there is, and I actually do think that because our history is pretty pretty amazing as far as online leagues go and uh it's i mean it's a little bit of a double edged sword i get I get cranky when I see people do things that have the potential to damage damage the long term thing of the league but uh but yeah, I found it on just uh the the big boards the big OOTP boards there was recty every now and then when there's an opening post, and I answered a post, and he let me in, and then i I stupidly screwed up some some history for the league. And so I get really touchy about that sometimes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's kind of the way it goes. I, I agree with you. I've been doing out-of-the-park uh, baseball myself since 2001. I think it was version 5 is when I came in and I started beta testing shortly thereafter. In the process, I think I've been in at least three of the fairly big leagues that you see, long-running leagues. Um, and I love them all. They're fantastic. They're fantastic leagues. But there's something about the Brewster that is just bigger. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just this big, beautiful league. Um, anyway, I've been really excited about having you on and having this conversation because uh, knowing the depth of your BBA-ness, uh, you're, you're one of those guys that I look up to and I go, wow, if I can stick around for another <laughs> four or five like real years, I could be almost like Brett. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, is there anything else you'd like to chat about before we call this one a day?
1: No, I, I guess that's pretty much everything. Um, yeah, the, the team is, is, I mean, it's a lost year for Vancouver, but the farm looks good. I have some, some good performances from some of the young guys. Things are looking good. And uh, assuming Recty doesn't kick me out of the league for not writing team news at some point, I should uh, have a good year next year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll leave that one to Matt. <laughs> and uh, and we'll, we'll say goodbye for this uh, episode. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. The Brewster Baseball Association is an out-of-the-park baseball league commissioned by Mr. America himself, Matt Recktenwald, and competed in by 28 outstanding GMs. You can check us out at montybrewster.net. You have been listening to The GM's Corner, a podcast where we put BBA GMs on the hot seat. Music is Cool Piano by Tigerius and is used under Creative Commons Attribution License. See you next time. Be safe and always remember, don't trade with Louisville.